section eight of americans and others this librivox recording is in the public domain section eight of americans and others by agnes replier the chill of enthusiasm surtout pas de zèle quote from talleyrand there is no aloofness so forlorn as our aloofness from an uncontagious enthusiasm and there is no hostility so sharp as that aroused by a fervor which fails of response charles lamb's damn him at a hazard was the expression of a natural and reasonable frame of mind with which we are all familiar and which though admittedly unlovely is in the nature of a safeguard if we had no spiritual asbestos to protect our souls we should be consumed to no purpose by every wanton flame if our sincere and restful indifference to things which concern us not were shaken by every blast we should have no available force for things which concern us deeply if eloquence did not sometimes make us yawn we should be besotted by oratory and if we did not approach new acquaintances new authors and new points of view with life-saving reluctance we should never feel that vital regard which being strong enough to break down our barriers is strong enough to hold us for life the worth of admiration is after all in proportion to the value of the thing admired a circumstance overlooked by the people who talk much pleasant nonsense about sympathy and the courage of our emotions and the open and generous mind we know how mr arnold felt when an american lady wrote to him in praise of american authors and said that it rejoiced her heart to think of such excellence as being common and abundant mr arnold who considered that excellence of any kind was very uncommon and beyond measure rare expressed his views on this occasion with more fervor and publicity than the circumstances demanded but his words are as balm to the irritation which some of us suffer and conceal when drained of our reluctant applause it is perhaps because women have been trained to a receptive attitude of mind because for centuries they have been valued for their sympathy and appreciation rather than for their judgment that they are so perilously prone to enthusiasm it has come to all of us of late to hear much feminine eloquence and to marvel at the nimbleness of woman's wit at the speed with which she thinks and the facility with which she expresses her thoughts a woman who until five years ago never addressed a larger audience than that afforded by a reading club or a dinner table will now thrust and parry on a platform wholly unembarrassed by timidity or by ignorance sentiment and satire are hers to command and while neither is convincing both are tremendously effective with people already convinced with the partisans who throng unwearyingly to hear the voicing of their own opinions the ease with which such a speaker brings forward the great central fact of the universe maternity as an argument for or against the casting of the ballot it works just as well either way the glow with which she associates jeanne d'arc with federated clubs and social service and the gay defiance she hurls at customs and prejudices so profoundly obsolete that the lantern of dionyges could not find them lurking in a village street these things may chill the unemotional listener into apathy but they never fail to awaken the sensibilities of an audience the simple process so highly commended by debaters of ignoring all that cannot be denied makes demonstration easy a crowd said mr ruskin thinks by infection 
to be immune from infection is to stand outside the sacred circle of enthusiasts yet if the experience of mankind teaches anything it is that vital convictions are not at the mercy of eloquence the oratory of conviction to borrow a phrase of mr beghats is so rare as to be hardly worth taking into account fox used to say that if a speech read well it was a damned bad speech which is the final word of cynicism spoken by one who knew it was the saving sense of england that solid prosaic dependable common sense the bulwark of every great nation which after sheridan's famous speech demanding the impeachment of warren hastings made the house adjourn to collect its reason obviously because its reason had been lost sir william dolden who moved the adjournment frankly confessed that it was impossible to give a determinate opinion while under the spell of oratory so the lawmakers who had been fired to white heat retired to cool down again and when sheridan always as deep in difficulties as micawber was offered a thousand pounds for the manuscript of the speech he remembered fox's verdict and refused to risk his unballasted eloquence in print enthusiasm is praised because it implies an unselfish concern for something outside our personal interest and advancement it is reverenced because the great and wise amendments which from time to time straighten the roads we walk may always be traced back to somebody's zeal for reform it is rich in prophetic attributes banking largely on the unknown and making up in nobility of design what it lacks in excellence of attainment like simplicity and candor and other much commended qualities enthusiasm is charming until we meet it face to face and cannot escape from its charm it is then that we begin to understand the attitude of goethe and talleyrand and pitt and sir robert peel who saved themselves from being consumed by resolutely refusing to ignite it is folly observed goethe to expect that other men will consent to believe as we do and having reconciled himself to this elemental obstinacy of the human heart it no longer troubled him that those whom he felt to be wrong should refuse to acknowledge their errors there are men and women not many who have the happy art of making their most fervent convictions endurable their hobbies do not spread desolation over the social world their prejudices do not insult our intelligence they may be so abreast with the times that we cannot keep track of them or they may be basking serenely in some early victorian close they may believe buoyantly in the baconian cipher or in thought transference or in the serious purposes of mr george bernard shaw or in anything else which invites credulity they may even express their views and still be loved and cherished by their friends how illuminating is the contrast which hazlitt unconsciously draws between the enthusiasms of lamb which everybody was able to bear and the enthusiasms of coleridge which nobody was able to bear lamb would parade his admiration for some favorite author dunn for example whom the rest of the company probably abhorred he would select the most crabbed passages to quote and defend he would stammer out his piquant and masterful half-sentences his scalding jests his controvertible assertions he would skilfully hint at the defects which no one else was permitted to see and if he made no converts wanting none he woke no weary wrath 
but we all have a sneaking sympathy for holcroft whom when coleridge was expatiating rapturously and oppressively upon the glories of german transcendental philosophy and upon his own supreme command of the field cried out suddenly and with exceeding bitterness mr coleridge you are the most eloquent man i ever met and the most unbearable in your eloquence i am not without a lurking suspicion that george borrow must have been at times unbearable in his eloquence we cannot refuse to meet a man on the ground that he is an enthusiast observes mr george street obviously lamenting this circumstance but we should at least like to make sure that his enthusiasms are under control borrow's enthusiasms were never under control he stood ready at a moment's notice to prove the superiority of the welsh bards over the paltry poets of england or to relate the marvellous welsh prophecies so vague as to be always safe he was capable of inflicting armenian verbs upon isopel burners when they sat at night over their gypsy kettle in the dingle let us hope she fell asleep as sweetly as does milton's eve when adam grows too garrulous and he met the complaints of a poor farmer on the hardiness of the times with jubilant praises of evangelicalism better pay three pounds an acre and live on crusts and water in the present enlightened days he told the disheartened husbandman then pay two shillings an acre and sit down to beef and ale three times a day in the old superstitious ages this is not the oratory of conviction there are unreasoning prejudices in favor of one's own stomach which eloquence cannot gainsay i defy the utmost power of language to disgust me with a good dinner observes the ettrick shepherd thus putting on record the attitude of the bucolic mind impassive immutable since earth's first harvests were gleaned the artificial emotions which expand upon provocation and collapse when the provocation is withdrawn must be held responsible for much mental confusion election oratory is an old and cherished institution it is designed to make candidates show their paces and to give innocent amusement to the crowd properly reinforced by brass bands and bunting graced by some sufficiently august presence and enlivened by plenty of cheering and hat flourishing it presents a strong appeal a political party is moreover a solid and self-sustaining affair all sound and alliterative generalities about virile and vigorous manhood honest and honorable labor great and glorious causes are understood in this country at least to refer to the virile and vigorous manhood of republicans or democrats as the case may be and to uphold the honest and honorable great and glorious republican or democratic principles upon which it is also understood depends the welfare of the nation yet even this sense of security cannot always save us from the chill of collapsed enthusiasm i was once at a great mass meeting held in the interests of municipal reform and at which the principal speaker was a candidate for office he was delayed for a full hour after the meeting had been opened and this hour was filled with good platform oratory speech-maker after speech-maker all adepts in their art laid bare before our eyes the evils which consumed us and called upon us passionately to support the candidate who would lift us from our shame 
the fervor of the house rose higher and higher martial music stirred our blood and made us feel that reform and patriotism were one the atmosphere grew tense with expectancy when suddenly there came a great shout and the sound of cheering from the crowd in the streets the crowd which could not force its way into the huge and closely packed opera house now there are few things more profoundly affecting than cheers heard from a distance or muffled by intervening walls they have a fine dramatic quality unknown to the cheers which rend the air about us when the chairman of the meeting announced that the candidate was outside the doors speaking to the mob the excitement reached fever heat when someone cried he is here and the orchestra struck the first bars of hail columbia we rose to our feet waving multitudinous flags and shouting out the rapture of our hearts and then and then there stepped upon the stage a plain tired bewildered man betraying nervous exhaustion in every line he spoke and his voice was not the assured voice of a leader his words were not the happy words which instantly command attention it was evident to the discerning eye that he had been driven for days perhaps for weeks beyond his strength and endurance that he had resorted to stimulants to help him in this emergency and that they had failed and he was striving with feeble desperation to do the impossible which was expected of him i wondered even then if a few common words of explanation a few sober words of promise would not have satisfied the crowd already sated with eloquence i wondered if the unfortunate man could feel the chill settling down upon the house as he spoke his random and undignified sentences whether he could see the first straggler slipping down the aisles what did his decent record his honest purpose avail him in an hour like this he tried to lash himself to vigor but it was spurring a broken-winded horse the stragglers increased into a flying squadron the house was emptying fast when the chairman in a sheer desperation made a sign to the leader of the orchestra who waved his baton and the star-spangled banner drowned the candidate's last words and brought what was left of the audience to its feet i turned to a friend beside me the wife of a local politician who had been the most fiery speaker of the evening will it make any difference i asked and she answered disconsolately the city is lost but we may save the state then we went into the quiet streets and i bethought me of voltaire's driving in a blue coach powdered with gilt stars to see the first production of irene and of his leaving the theatre to find that enthusiasts had cut the traces of his horses so that the shouting mob might drag him home in triumph but the mob having done its shouting melted away after the irresponsible fashion of mobs leaving the blue coach stranded in front of the tuileries with voltaire shivering inside of it until the horses could be brought back the traces patched up and the driver recalled to his duty that popular enthusiasm is but a fire of straw has been amply demonstrated by all who have tried to keep it going it can be lighted to some purpose as when money is extracted from the enthusiasts before they have had time to cool but even this process so skillfully conducted by the initiated seems unworthy of great and noble charities or of great and noble causes it is true also that the agitator no matter what he may be agitating is always sure of his market 
a circumstance which made that most conservative of chancellors lord eldon swear with bitter oaths that if he were to begin life over again he would begin it as an agitator tom moore tells a pleasant story one of the many pleasant stories embalmed in his vast sarcophagus of a diary about a street orator whom he heard address a crowd in dublin the man's eloquence was so stirring that moore was ravished by it and he expressed to shiel his admiration for the speaker ah said shiel carelessly that was a brewer's patriot most of the great brewers have in their employ a regular patriot who goes about among the publicans talking violent politics which helps to sell the beer honest enthusiasm we are often told is the power which moves the world therefore it is perhaps that honest enthusiasts seem to think that if they stopped pushing the world would stop moving as though it were a new world which didn't know its way this belief inclines them to intolerance the more keen they are the more contemptuous they become what wordsworth admirably called the self-applauding sincerity of a heated mind leaves them no loophole for doubt and no understanding of the doubter in their volcanic progress they bowl over the non-partisan a man and a brother with splendid unconcern he poor soul stunned but not convinced clings desperately to some pettifogging convictions which he calls truth and refuses a clearer vision his habit of remembering what he believed yesterday clogs his mind and makes it hard for him to believe something entirely new to-day much has been said about the inconvenience of keeping opinions but much might be said about the serenity of the process old opinions are like old friends we cease to question their worth because after years of intimacy and the loss of some valuable illusions we have grown to place our slow reliance on them we know at least where we stand and whither we are tending and we refuse to bustle feverishly about the circumference of life because as emile warns us we cannot reach its core that is the end of section eight